My name is Courtney. I am a member of the speaking team, obviously, and also on the executive team here. Uh, I want to personally invite you all to the picnic today. Um, I know some of you may not have been here for that announcement. Am I a little echoey? There we go. Um, but the picnic, our church picnics are awesome. I met my husband at the picnic. And you may meet your husband. I'm just kidding. Um, that was where he first saw me, and he was like, wow. I got to lock that down. You're welcome, Yuri. Um, so we are going to have lots of food, lots of fun. I mean, church potlucks, it doesn't get any better. Um, so join us afterwards. We're going to be over at Lake Julian. Um, so today, we are continuing our hashtag series. And guys, some of you know, I have felt it all week. It is controversial what we're talking about today. It is a hot topic. It is personal. Um, it is heavy. And I have ridden the emotional roller coaster this week. So I am I'm ready this morning. Um, and I just want to put this out there. We're doing, I feel like every speaker is doing this with the hashtag series. I want to put a disclaimer out there that um, while my words have been chosen carefully, I am still a human. And I may say something that hurts you or offends you. Um, and sometimes that's intentional and sometimes that's not. Uh, but today I pray that we would all hear this with an openness to God. And that we could just ask him, God, show us what you want to show us. And to really be open to that, um, because I know this week I have opened myself up to that, and I have felt God's presence, I have felt his heart, I have felt the heaviness that he has for this, and I have felt challenged myself of what role do I play. And I think each one of you is going to play a role, and it's going to look different. So I just want to open him up because I need him this morning. God, I need you. I need you to, to be um, present, God. I want your words to speak to people's hearts, to speak to all of ours. God, give us your peace. Give us your conviction give us your peace give us your word jesus we need you so god we welcome you today we welcome your word we're so thankful for this and we ask you god to lead us the church to lead us in this world today and we thank you, Jesus, for your stripes. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for your sacrifice that brings redemption, wholeness, and peace. 
And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, some of you may be like, what is she talking about this morning? <laughs> I am talking about gender identity. Thank you. <laughs> of all the people I told this week that I told them, I was like, I'm talking about gender identity today. They went, oh. And that was it. There was no advice. There was no use this scripture. There was just silence. And I was like, thank you for that. I feel the anxiety rising. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's so interesting, and God works like this. It's, it's like when I'm getting ready to speak, and, and I think most of the speakers would probably identify with something of this. It's like God speaks to you all week long, and you don't even realize it. It's so funny, because I'm reading um, just one of those one-year Bibles that basically just tells me what to read every single day, which I like. And it's a chapter in the Old Testament, a chapter in the New Testament, a proverb. I think that's it. Or a psalm and a proverb. Yes, some of you guys are reading that. Um, and all week long... <laughs> I was stuck in the Old Testament where God is delivering the Israelites out of Egypt. And all week long, I'm reading about deliverance. I'm reading about miraculous signs. Um, And then, I think it was yesterday, the psalm was Psalm 25. And Psalm 25, I just want to read it. It says, it's a lament. And it says, turn to me. And have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, this is that person struggling with gender identity. This is the cry of their heart to me. I feel alone and I am in deep distress. And yet, the Lord, in all of his grace and his mercy, has an answer. And he has a response for every one of those people, every people group, every nation, every, you know, we are the Israelites in so many ways. And he has an answer. He is a God who delivers, who does the miraculous, and came to us and and was present with us and walked with us through everything. He says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can pray for anything, anything, and you, if you have faith, you will receive it. That's a promise. Woo! You guys should be like... Yeah, all right, that is good news. What a great promise. So, all right, this is what mine was boggling my mind all week long. How do I say all the things and 
not say all the things today. Um, so I'm gonna kind of divide us up into three parts, and this is just how my brain works. I need it to be logical and organized. We're gonna start with the origins, we're gonna look at the scriptures, and then why is this even important to the church? What should be our response? I like practical, so. Um, so gender dis identity, gender dysphoria, biological sex, we're gonna be using a lot of different terms. I am going to try my best to define those terms, but language is ever-changing in our society. It's probably changing as I'm up here. And so, I may not do a good job on it, and that's okay. I am human. Um, but, there's a lot of language around this. And you can get lost. Um, so, I want to start with gender identity. Identity, gosh, this is throughout scripture. It's, it's a human need to have identity, to know who we are, to know our purpose. And identity is, is really more important than ever right now. Our world is in continual crisis. I know that that's not new. I know that we say that every generation we are in crisis, but it really does feel like crisis, right? Like it's one crisis after another. And so I think that people are in search of who they are so I can understand this. Because if I don't understand who I am, I'm a little lost. I'm gonna get in the midst of the chaos and be lost. And so, we are constantly searching for identity, and identity is in the heart of the gospel. It is important. And it needs to be a, a conversation that the church is having. So who are we as individuals? Who are we as men and women? Who are we as the church? This is an important conversation. We, we, you know, we sat around for the speaking team and we were like, okay, we're gonna do this hashtag series. What are the scariest topics we can bring up <laughs> to the speakers? Um, and gender identity was up at the top of the list because it is hot right now. It has become heated. And I know as a Christian, it is something that I have grappled with myself, not in that firsthand experience, but how do I articulate my beliefs as a Christian and balance empathy for this person and to value that experience, to value who they are. And in today's culture, man, words are powerful. Personal experience are powerful. There's reasons we have terms like cancel culture. How many of you guys have heard of cancel culture? Cancel culture, for those of you that are maybe not familiar, is a modern form of ostracism. You say something I don't like, I step back, I remove all support, I call you out, 
I rally other people against you. I cancel you. And we are seeing its ripple effects throughout our culture. People, this is affecting people professionally. This is affecting people personally. It's a dangerous environment because it is volatile. And it's super object, or subjective, super subjective. Truth is relevant. And gender identity is one of those topics that will get you canceled. And you know, I'm always looking for the good in things too. I see the good in this as well because people are caring about things in ways that they've never cared about things. The marginalized are being talked about. The minorities are receiving that attention and that is good. We are standing up for injustice and saying that's wrong. That is a good thing. That is a part of the heart of God. However, when anything swings into an extreme, there is a downside. Supportive opinions are the only ones welcomed and affirmed. If you are not supportive of my subjective truth, cancel. You are... And I, I think this is society, you know, and I speak of society as the whole, like I speak of our media, our, not all media, but, you know, social media, all of those things as this larger whole, but it has creating this culture where you are unequivocally for or I am unequivocally against. It is polarizing. It is divisive. And this is not God. There is no middle ground anymore. There's no compromise. There's no conversation. There's no discussion of ideas without putting my identity on those opinions. Personally, I don't like sides unless it's the winning side, and I do like those sides. But this is not something where there is a winning side because we all lose. I also don't like people telling me what I can talk about and what I can't talk about. And I assume I'm not the only one in the room that feels that way. It's hard to win in this debate, this dichotomy that we've created. It's also a very difficult place to be if you believe in truth and you don't believe it's relative, that it is tied to a person, because that is an absolute. So for Christians, this is a very difficult place to be in because we do believe in absolute truth. And expressing truth and love, you know, you always hear that saying, expressing truth. It's not a thing anymore. Love is God. 
Truth is God. Truth. But here's the thing. God doesn't pick sides. He is the side. He's always been like that, too. When the Israelites said, you know, what do we, or what, what do we call you? Call me I am. Okay, we'll call you I am. God doesn't pick sides. He doesn't fit into boxes. He doesn't fit into societal norms. He is really out for his own agenda. And he should be. He is love. Anything that is separate from him is not love. He sets his own standards. So, what does God think about gender identity? What does he think about your biological sex? What does he think about gender expression? Does he even care? So, okay, I'm going to attempt to define this term. I said I was going to do it, but I'm going to do it now. Gender identity. Today's world says that gender, di- gender identity does not always align with biological sex. In today's mainstream narrative, gender identity is complex. It is no longer binary, meaning male or female but rather it's seen as a continuum, a spectrum. Some people may identify as more male on that spectrum than someone else, or more female, or maybe neither in that middle of that neutral. Gender is fluid and unique to that person. And this is really why it's hard to question or maybe disagree or even have a conversation about because you get to decide. How can I have any opinion about you and your experience? I I think of it sometimes too when people are like, oh, I heard from God and and God said this. Well, I I can't really argue with that. If it's, unless it's like really not biblical, because it's the trump card, it's the God card, that's what I call it. You just took out the God card. Okay, well, I don't know what to say to that. Unless God's maybe told me differently, but experience is the trump card. Personal experience, well, that wasn't my experience, trump card. Okay, well, I don't really know what else to say to that. This is where those conversations go. Because for someone to express disapproval or question, even ask questions about it, from that societal narrative, you're questioning my personhood. And who are you to do that? But I see questioning as part of our humanity. We question That's just what we do. We are, you know, um, created with intelligence, some of us more than others. 
But questions is how we get to truth. It's how we you know, discover things. Questions are good. So we've always questioned. This is part of who we are. And so, you know, I kind of go against that mainstream narrative because questions often lead us to better places. So I want to dive into the scriptures. All right, so when you talk about gender identity with anyone, typically the first place we come to in scripture is Genesis 1, right? So I want to bring up Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Um, I'm going to be reading in the New Living. I know that's a pain, but they don't have the New Living. This is New International. New Living just feels very like a conversation to me. So you can follow along. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image, and the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. A few things pop up to me when I read these passages. First, is that God is the original creator. There was no one before him. And in this act of creating, he defines. Meaning, he says what the purpose is what it is. He creates what they will look like and what they will do. And we don't really get that responsibility. Two, God creates in his own image. So what does this mean? Well, it means that we're created to lead and we are created to exercise power like him, according to this passage. Now, we're created in his likeness, yet we are not God. The way I think about this is, I look like my mother, but I don't have to make the same choices she does. I can't, I can't change that I look like Kim. I'm in her likeness. You know who my mother is if you've been around church long. But we're different, and a lot of things I do, and a lot of choices I make are from her influence, but we don't always do things exactly the same. So, in the likeness, there are things that are 
and image bearer, but there is also free will. There are also free choices. Three, we have dominion. The passage clearly states that we have dominion over the earth. Now, this is the part I think about God, and I don't know if I would have done it the same if I was him. He shares dominion. He shares power. I probably wouldn't have been that person. I am too, like, I would have been like, I'm the best. But, you know, God shares that power with us. And he shares that dominion. So we lead over, you know, animals, plants, and we lead through our intelligence and our creativity and all the gifts that we've been given. And then four, and this is where it gets contentious. We were created male and female. The two sexes. It is binary. And we are given this command, this prompt, to be fruitful and multiply. Meaning that those, because they are in that same passage, they are connected, male and female, multiplying. So what this says to me is that through our biological design, and our bodies, we multiply. And that is a unique thing between men and women. You don't see it in friendships, female and female, male and male. There is that, that purpose is not there. And this is a natural distinction from other relationships. And it's not just in this passage, although this is probably one of the clearest passages we see in Scripture on gender, but we, we see this narrative continued through Scripture. And I, and I think about, like, you know, we have other hot topics that, that if you take the, um, the, like, about slaves, or and, and you see a Scripture about it, but there's no continuum in Scripture for it. Like, I don't know how to say this. Like, Jesus gave so many rights to women that was so revolutionary for his day. So many rights to slaves that were revolutionary, you know. Um, But we didn't see slavery continued throughout Scripture, you know. And so I think, like, with here, all of the biblical narrative flows with this concept of male and female, and multiplication. We see it with husbands and wives. There's more instructions given. Mothers and fathers, honoring your mother and your father. There's this unique relationship between men and women. It is binary. And so, With the way that God set it out in the beginning, I can understand so much why Satan would attack that first. Yep, I brought in the Satan card. Gender is infused in our identity. As children of God, it is linked 
to our relationship with him. And so, of course, that would be something that would be attacked, that would be threatened, because Satan's game is to destroy this. His game is to destroy my relationship, my purpose, my identity in Christ. And so gender is a part of that. To attack gender is to attack God's design in our relationship. And if you begin to question your identity and your gender, you'll question everything. Now, most of you I've known for a while, you know that I work with kids. I love kids. I love children. I love middle school children, which is, that shows that it's a gift because I love those. And I love high school students. Like, I love kids more than probably you guys. I love kids more than adults because they are in their rawest, in their purest form. They are proof that we have sinful natures, okay? I I just love them. And part of what I have moved through the years doing counseling, doing um, all kinds of work with traumatized children, um, hearing awful, awful, awful things. My heart is for every child to feel loved and valued and that they have a purpose. And I will go to battle for children. And one of the things, and I think why I ended up taking on this topic, is because gender identity has become such a conversation about children and teenagers and middle schoolers. And as someone who has had many, many conversations, hours and hours and hours with children. I've noticed patterns, stages. Third grade, kids start getting a little more dramatic. Those hormones start getting in. I can just, I can tell you based on the month where kids are going to (laughs) be. You know, fourth grade, they start getting a little mouthy, thinking they're kind of cool. I don't want to talk about that guy that they think is kind of cute. There's patterns. And I've noticed something in the last few years, I think the most, um, is that often children, and when I say children, I say zero to 18. They're children to me. Children that have come from trauma, that have had a traumatic experience, that have had wounds, or maybe a parent that wasn't where they needed to be for a variety of reasons, or just a child that had that lower self-esteem and needed to be a part of something. They are often struggling with their gender identity. 
And I, I just kept asking myself, why? Why is this a link? Why is this a, why am I seeing this? I can tell you, but when that child even sits down, I can tell you when they're going to have that conversation with me. I can see it. And I'm not saying that this mold fits everyone. I'm just saying this is, in my experience, more common than not. And I feel like that when you have experienced those things, maybe it's trauma, maybe it's abuse, maybe it's anything that was not intended for that person, You struggle with your identity. You struggle with your purpose. You question, God, why did you let that happen? I struggle with his identity. And so along that path, Satan comes in. And while somebody's trying to gather the pieces of their life, he says, huh, maybe you aren't that. Maybe you were never supposed to be that. Don't you feel uncomfortable in your body? Don't you feel uncomfortable? And it's sin. We live in a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. And so sin creeps in. And I don't think that it's a conscious choice all the time with these kids that are struggling with this. But we are seeing, and research is backing it up, groups of girls, young girls, all deciding together that they no longer identify as girls. All of them? That makes me question, what is going on here? But it is people that are looking for an end to pain. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for someone to tell me who I am. So, If you aren't a Christian and you don't have purpose in Christ, this would be a very painful, excruciating thing to suddenly, it's not even suddenly, to gradually feel this discomfort. It is confusing. It is real. It becomes your reality. It becomes your truth. That's all you know. And then the world comes in and says, good job, yes. Affirm, affirm, affirm. Instead of saying, what happened? Tell me your story. I want to hear. I want to hear about your relationship with your parents. Tell me about that experience. Instead, it says, all right. And that person runs further into it. And this is where I feel so passionately that we as the church 
have to be the unpopular ones and say, that's not what God intended. He didn't intend for that trauma to impact you that way. He didn't intend for you to feel this way. The world interrupted my plan for you. The plan to be fruitful, to multiply. Because that's the other part of that Genesis creation account is that not only did he define, he said, be fruitful, I bless you. I bless you to have dominion, to have purpose, to be in my likeness. I have good things for you. So the church's response is so vital here. And I would love to stay away from these conversations because they are painful. We can't say, well, God said male and female. You know, I don't know why you're struggling with that. I'll be praying for you. We can't say that. But I also can't say, yes! You be you. You do you. No, that's not biblical. That's not scriptural. No. So our response has to be somewhere in the middle. Helena and I hung out the other day, and we were talking about how uh, that we ask questions all the time. Like, to people. I mean, I think when, once you're a counselor, you're just like, there's no conversation that's off topic for me. Like, I'm just going to go real in deep. Um, and sometimes that's appropriate, sometimes it's not. But we ask a lot of questions. And as a result, I mean, and Elena could probably say this too, people just open up. I mean, sometimes I'm like, I just said, how was your day? And you're telling me about your childhood trauma. I don't know. I want to hear that. I want to be there for you. But people want to tell their stories. They want to have someone ask because it shows care. It shows that you care about my story. And we all have them. And when you ask questions about people's stories, you have a context. You have a context for their choices, their decisions, their, the way they do things. It's like, oh, I get that. I'm a lot more forgiving when I know people's context. I'm like, ugh, you're like me. You say awful things when you're uncomfortable because of this. I get it. And I think that the church, we are not good at asking questions. We're not good at investing time. The world's not either. But I think this is where we have to deviate from the world and spend time with people to get to know them. How did you get to that point? 
Some people, until you spend years with them, would not even tell you what they struggle with. They never get to that point. And we, you know, a lot of times we'll put blame on that person and be like, well, they should have told somebody. They should have confessed that. What would have ever have sent them the message that it would be a safe place to do that? And so we as the church need to talk about trauma. We need to talk about sexual abuse. We need to talk about gender identity. Scripture is only important when it is in the context of relationship. That Bible means nothing to you unless you have a relationship with God. And even when you have a relationship with God, until you go really deep with him, Scripture doesn't, it doesn't mean as much. And so when we're spouting off these scriptures to people, but we don't have relationship with them, they don't get why the scriptures say those things the way they do. The scripture seems judgmental. It seems harsh. And the opposite, the world's response, seems a lot better. They are always affirming. They're always welcoming. The church just tells me the things I'm doing wrong. So I'm going to run to this. This is better. These people are fun. And this is why we have to invest in people. Invest in their stories. Become a part of their lives. It is only through our relationships that we can bring the hope of Jesus. The second passage that's often talked about in this debate is the Galatians 3 chapter. I'm going to read a little bit of it. Paul says, he's been talking for a little while and now he's coming to this point, but, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Relationship. Christianity is all about relationship. We say it over and over and over because we keep treating it like religion. All of our experiences are to be brought to Jesus. This is why Jesus is so revolutionary because, you know, here we have the Genesis account where he says, male and female, you know, multiply. And then later, Paul's like, no. There's neither male nor female in Christ. But that doesn't mean that those things are eliminated. It means that Jesus says, your cultural experiences, I'm bigger. Your gender, bigger. Your trauma, bigger. 
the societal pressure, bigger. I'm bigger than everything. And in me, you come in me, I gather you into me, and now you are in me. You have put on new clothes. And the struggles, the questions, are then taken under the authority of Christ. And he brings healing. He brings freedom. So to the truth is relative, postmodern, experiences God culture, this is uncomfortable. Jesus is calling us to a place of trust in him. And to place ourselves in him is a huge step. It requires a lot of trust, especially when my experience tells me so different. My feelings tell me so differently. My everything tells me so differently than what he is saying. And that is where Gender dysphoria, gender identity, gender confusion, it is real. But it is subject to the person of Jesus Christ. So instead of being this real insurmountable, how do I get past this thing, perhaps gender identity gets shrunk to the size that it should be and it becomes a spiritual issue, a wound, a trauma response, or something that Jesus is bigger than. This is where I come down to, and I I thought about this all week. We are all trying to figure out who we are. I know that I have Christ inside me, but I still am walking that out. What does that look like on my day to day? And Jesus keeps telling us to fix our eyes on him, to continue to commit to him. Um, But I also want to say that like, not only does he give us this new identity in him when we submit our lives to him, he gives us his power as well. And this is where the difference is I don't just have to hope that God heals me. I get to play an active part in the healing. Because if Psalm 25 is correct, my identity in Christ can now rise up and say, mountain, move. Confusion, move. Trauma, get out of here. You have no power under the person of Jesus Christ. Because I am no longer Courtney, but Christ and Courtney. I'm like a superhero now. So this morning, 
I don't know where you guys are at. I mean, this week I wasn't even sure where I was at. Not that I didn't know the truth. It's just like, how do I balance all of this? And, and what role am I to play? And so I, I just, I just want to pray, honestly, like, that God would speak to each one of your hearts on this. Because you're going to know someone that's struggling with it, or you are that person. And what should be your response as Christ in you to yourself or to someone else? And how do we tap into that power that moves mountains? So Jesus... We submit to you. We pray, God, for a renewal of our minds, that our minds would not see things the way the world sees them, but that you would truly show us truth in you. God, I pray for our hearts to be soft to this. It is a real struggle. But I pray for freedom. In the name of Jesus, to set people free. That you would bring them into their purpose, into their identity and Christ. Their purpose, that you would Bless them to be fruitful, to multiply for your glory. God, bring down experience as this God that we serve. That is idolatry. Heal our nation, God. Bring us into this closer relationship with you where we are truth bearers, where we are image bearers for you. We love you. We thank you for your love, your mercy. I know that you will comfort those that are hurting. We know that you will. Help us to be your hands and feet to those. Help us to stand in the gap with them. Help us to bring them to your feet if they can't get there. May you be glorified. It's in your name we pray.